The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. You know, I almost ran into another car right at the intersection because they didn't put a, a stupid stop sign at the stupid intersection. <laughs> oh, hi. Dick, this is Mrs. Wanamaker from the Welcome Basket. She just brought us this nice basket of fruit. You know who could really help with that stop sign is my husband. He's on the town council. He'd know who to talk to about this. Great. I'll have him call you. Mr. Loudon, I appreciate your calling that intersection to our attention. As road commissioner, I'm prepared to recommend a stop sign for that corner to the town council. Well, if, if you let me know when that is, I, I'd like to be there. That shows civic conscience, Dick. I guess what impressed us is that you not only recognized that a problem existed, you offered a solution. That shows vision, Dick. <laughs> We could use a man like you on the town council. <laughs> really? We'd like you to consider becoming a councilman. Well, you know, it can't hurt to consider it. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you at the town meeting next week. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, maybe politics doesn't interest you. Well, maybe it should. Robert and I will explain why right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Well, Bob, that opening phrase, maybe politics doesn't interest you, maybe it should, that was actually a um, pamphlet that the Freedom Party of Ontario, a party that you started, had as an introductory piece that we would go door to door, knock on people's doors, or just put them in the mailbox, trying to find support. And it is so appropriate today if you just consider what we're going through, because it's all political everything. And if you don't think politics is not interested in you, you're not paying attention. And it could mean your life. Exactly. And what I wanted to do today, Bob, was to go through my own personal experiences with a number of the campaigns that I've done, with your help for a lot of them, to express to people the only way we're going to get out of this mess, and by mess I'm talking about the Great Reset, the COVID lockdowns, and everything else that is political in Canada and the world. And I, I thought about this because I'm looking at tens of thousands of people marching in Montreal, thousands of people marching in Moncton, thousands of people or tens of thousands of people marching in Vancouver, millions of people hitting the streets, in Germany, in Paris, in London. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, first of all, there's very little use for protests, very little. 
They help you network. They give you a feeling that you've done something. But politicians don't care about a protest. Not one iota. As a matter of fact, they look down from their ivory towers and they smile. Because, first of all, they're not producers, right? They're all moochers. So they look down from their office saying that, I did this. You know, I caused all this kerfuffle. You know, look at all this little activity that these people are doing. I did that with my lockdowns. And they get some sort of perverse pleasure out of it. So protests, yeah, okay, protest. It does give some people an indication that they're not alone. So they have that value. But if you think that you're going to change a politician's ideas or policies or laws, forget it. It's not worked. It hasn't worked in two years. These protests began over two years ago with the yellow vests in, in France. Is right. it is it is it that the protests are ineffective, or is it that the people protesting are in the minority, and the majority is on the other side of the issue? Because I keep hearing uh, polls being reported that Doug Ford and Trudeau and the rest of them they're, they're doing what they're doing because they're reacting to the polls, and exactly. that they're getting positive results from that. So, are, aren't we talking two different? groups of people here. You're talking about the people who are protesting and, and the one who, who, who are enjoying the statist quo, if I may. Well, there's actually um, two answers to that. Well, first is yes, and second one is no. <laughs> the first okay, one... Okay, long, as long as we're clear on that, let's carry on. <laughs> the yes is that these are two different groups of people. What we're seeing now are um, people, ordinary people, a lot without, with, with no axe to grind, who aren't parts of groups, marching for the first time because their lives depend upon it. They've never seen their country fall apart like this. They are coming from what you and I would call the right, not right wing, but the right. Common people taking, trying to take care of business, right? What we've typically seen um, for marches and things of that nature are all collectivists in nature. They're usually people of special interest groups like um, aboriginals trying to block a railway or Sikhs holding up the Gardner Expressway or unionists marching downtown Toronto led by John Clark trying to get more money and higher minimum wage. Usually left-wing causes by left-wing people. And the politicians actually, because they're also on the left, use those to indicate to the majority of us that, oh, look, there's a protest. They have a, a, a legitimate grievance. Let's bring them into the circle and, and see if we can't address them. Now, when the right or the common people go out there and protest, this is a total different kettle of fish, right? This is the no answer, that they are ineffective because they're not on the left, because all the politicians are on the left, all of them. Right. And so they see left. their crowd out there. <laughs> Basically, some of them actually probably start a lot of the protests. And you'll see people like in the United States, you'll see AOC out there protesting. She's a lawmaker. You know, she's out there protesting. You could not have a higher position in society than what she's protesting against than a lawmaker. Right. So that's absolutely ludicrous. But that's the left for you. Right. Now, well, it's, that's because the left has to do that because in the world of reality, and I'm looking at this on a big picture level, the left has nothing to offer anybody. So they have to make their support or present their support in an artificial way. 
They have to stage their own protests. They stage their own events. They create their own definitions. You know, they, they don't pay attention to anything going on in the real world because they're not part of it. Uh, I agree with that for sure. Um, another good example, however, of uh, the duplicity or the hypocrisy of the way the politicians treat protests. For example, there was, I think I mentioned this on an earlier show, I don't know because I tweet, I put stuff up <laughs> on Facebook and I don't know who I've talked to. But a number of years ago, there was a bunch of leftists who stormed the Capitol building in the Washington, D.C., and they tried to bomb the offices of a Republican senator or something like that. You can look up the details. I, they, they escaped me at the moment. That, of course, those people got pardoned by Bill Clinton, by the way. Now, when you get the common folk out there, the Trump supporters who knew that the election in 2020 was rigged, stolen, and Biden is a usurper, and as you quite properly call him, a resident-in-chief, he's certainly not a president, those people are insurrectionists. They're in jail today. You know, tens if not over a hundred of them are in jail without charges being laid, without their day S in court. Simply unconscionable. I, 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 I just can't believe that's going on. It's just See, stunning. now that is, these are common people, right? Ashley Babbitt, a common person, came out because she loved her country, didn't want to see it be destroyed by the uh, Democrats who destroyed the election, and she got murdered for it, right? But... To the left, she was an insurrectionist, an armed insurrectionist, even though nobody there was armed except for the uh, Capitol Police. And so that's the, that's the problem that we have, is that protests are not going to work. So barring an all-out revolution, which will not happen, as it's never happened that the common people ever overthrew a government, what happens is that police forces do it, armies do it, people with uniforms overthrow governments. It happened in the United States. General Washington, right? He was a bloody general in Virginia. He had his own army. He could overthrow King George. But the common people don't. They never do. There's no organization. There's no targets. You just can't do it. So what is the other avenue open to us? And this is where I want to talk about today. The only avenue open to you and I and others like us is through the political party machine. Because that's exactly how our enemies got into power. And that's the only way that we can remove them from power. And that, is, that means a number of serious, uh, of a series of events that you can do as an individual to make sure that you're in the back room when things get decided. You're the president of a riding association. You're on the committee to select candidates. Because, you know, when you put your ballot in the ballot box on general election day, right, that's the very last step in a long process of democracy and participatory democracy that people are missing out on. And they, they go to the ballot box and they're going, oh, I don't like any of these people. They're all the same. Well, John Q. Public, that's because you're not getting involved in the other aspects of democracy that our enemies are masters at. They're the ones who are running for school trustee and counselor and using that as a springboard to get into provincial or federal politics, like uh, Mike Harris. He was a school trustee, right? Yeah. And because he got elected as a school trustee, they, he became the leader of the PCs and then became, you know, the premier of Ontario. And same, I think, with Kim Campbell. I'm not too sure about that. I'll check on that. But she was the prime minister of Canada. And this is, these are the springboards. The left have it down pat. 
They have all of their connections and all of the people infiltrating all of the parties, left, right, and center. They're all on the left to you and I, but PCs, NDP, liberal, green. All these people know each other. They don't care about their own little party politics because for them it's just uh, shuffling the chairs on the Titanic. You be the leader today, Liberal Party. Okay, then we're going to take a break and the Conservatives get in. And it's all the same policies, right? Okay, Robert. So given that you're going to be giving this advice, would it be correct to say that it's kind of a generic type of advice because the same advice that you're recommending those on the true right should do is already being done by a lot of people on the left or even could be done by people on the left who haven't thought about it yet. Yeah, um, there's no need to reinvent the wheel, that's for sure. It's um, all pretty old stuff. It's just that the people, the common people, you and I, really, don't want it. Well, maybe not you and I, because we've done all this, but our friends and neighbors and family, right? They don't want to get involved in politics, right? So this is where maybe politics you know, uh, is interested in you type of thing. If you're not interested in it, it's going to be definitely interested in you. And so my appeal before we go to break is that people get involved. And I will, when we come back from the break, outline exactly how easy it is. You seem preoccupied. Something on your mind? Oh, uh, you know, today I was talking to those two guys about the the stop sign. Oh, are they going to give you one? Well, they, they said they'd bring it up at the next next town meeting. <laughs> That's probably the biggest problem they've had to solve in 20 years. <laughs> Where, what's that supposed to mean? I was making a joke. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's funny to denigrate the town you live in. <laughs> I mean, for, for your information, they, they asked me to, to run for the town council. How can you run for town council? We just moved here. What has that got to do with it? You don't know anyone. I know people. You know three people. George, Leslie, and Kirk. I, I know the, the two guys at the hardware store, and I, I, there's that lady at the, uh, the stationery store where, where I buy my typing paper. I stand corrected. You know six people. I, I own the Stratford Inn. I mean, that, that makes me a respected businessman and a, a prominent citizen. I know we've only lived in town a few weeks, but uh, apparently in that time, I've uh, I've built quite a reputation. You've already decided to run, haven't you? Well, I mean, you know, it's an opportunity to to serve the people. I've always kind of wanted to do that. You never said anything about wanting to do that. I I never said anything to you, but uh, I mean, in in the back of my mind, I've always. Uh, you know, uh, toyed with the idea of uh, one day, you know, being president. What? Being president. What? So, Jim Carajalios, we just want to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much. You're you're basically now the leader of the new Blue Party of Ontario, right? That's right. Uh, a group of us, 19, got kicked out of the PC party. And a couple months later, we co-founded the new Blue Party of Ontario. And we've been building it ever since. 
I think it's sad that you got kicked out of the Conservative Party of Canada, but I bet you're seeing now that all things work together for good. If we could just talk about the Conservative Party of Canada, you're, you're very well versed in what's going on there, but uh, we just feel that there's no opposition. You know, in, in the U.S., you see people like uh, the Republicans standing against the stupidity of Biden. But the, the Trudeau era seems to have everybody on board with what he's doing. So there's a difference in the political systems that allows the uh, parties like federally, the Conservative Party of Canada and provincially the Ontario PC party. There's a difference in the systems in the U.S., those primaries. Uh, from what I understand, I'm not an expert on primaries in the U.S., but they're protected by law. And every citizen has the right to enter into a primary for the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, if you meet certain requirements. In our system, Laura Lynn, in Canada, the political parties largely have operated like little clubs, private clubs for, um, you know, over 100 years. And so when you get someone like me running in a conservative leadership race and the guys in the back have a design and they want Aaron O'Toole to win and they had no other choice but to kick us out. And that's the system in Canada right now. It's the destruction of the political party system provincially and federally where a small group of individuals in the back of these parties can block people from running in nominations and leaderships that they believe are a threat, that they believe have too much support. And with one uh, decision, you could just oust them right out of uh, not only just caucus, but right out of the party. So it's a very different system. And it's not a right or left problem. It's a top down problem where, um, you know, the small group of lobbyists in the back of the Conservative Party of Canada and Ontario PC Party, and there's some overlap there. Um, they want to keep tight reins on their party. And if you become a threat and you get a following and you're good at campaigning, you have some truthful things to say, you want to challenge the status quo. They don't want that. And the only option for my wife, Belinda, who's the MPP in Cambridge, and I, uh, provincially, we heard people loud and clear saying you need to start another party because we don't have anyone to vote for. There is no fixing the Ontario PC party from the inside. It's even far further far gone than what you've seen with the Conservative Party of Canada, Laura Lynn. Wow. And, and that's saying a lot because all of it just seems... Um, a lot of people losing faith in the whole political system because it seems like the bad guys keep winning. Well, Bob, people are losing faith in the political party system and politics generally because they don't really understand it. And Jim Carahalios of the uh, New Blue Party in Ontario is a perfect example, even though he's been in the party machine himself. I think they don't understand all of our conservative friends, liberal friends, you know, all, all of these people that we know who talk politics really don't understand a lot about it, a political party system, that is. For example, I had a good friend um, who's deep in politics um, lament the fact that the PPC have yet to have a constitution yeah. or a national committee, right, established to get the input from the areas of the country. And I had to explain to him that that is an extremely dangerous thing to do if you want to maintain the integrity of a political party. And a political party, by the way, um, outside of parliament, that is, is a private organization. It can set its own rules. You don't need a constitution. You don't need anything, really, technically, right. unless you're starting to take money. And then there are certain rules that you have to follow.
This is why I keep getting astonished by people who have actually gone through the political system and do not understand that political parties are, quote-unquote, like little private clubs. I mean, that's how Karaholius described it, right? Yes, and, um, they are. They are little private clubs. And I think that he doesn't really want them to be that. A lot of people want them to be democratic. Like, you can open up membership to everybody, like the Liberal Party has done. Free membership to everybody. Yay, right? And, um, you know, people have... Uh, they don't vet the people who are running for them, uh, for their political ideology. They just say, oh, look, here's an actor. Let's get him to run for us in this riding over here. People will love him. Not realizing that that person may not hold the same views that the membership of the party does. Yeah, well, the, the whole idea of a political party is to enshrine a set of ideals or principles. And if people who don't agree with those principles want to join and think they have a right to join and come into your party that you put your money, time, effort, and investment into and just change it, they got another thing coming. They have the freedom to start their own political parties. Yes. And, yeah. and that's not always the best route to take. Everybody wants to take over a party because if it's already got a power center, you, get, you gravitate to the power, not to the ideology or the, right. or the principles, right? right? And so that's what everybody's trying to grab is the power, and they think that by doing it that way, they can turn it around. Well, the bad news is it's never, ever been done in the history of humanity. Well, I think of Margaret Thatcher. She tried to do it, and she was quite successful for a while, but then she, she got killed by her own uh, party. They party that's, kicked her out, that, more or less. Yeah, that's a perfect example, though. You can yeah, get but these it worked for a while. Well, yeah, but, you know, this is like, it's like Donald Trump, the same thing, right? Right. Half, half of the time they're fighting their own party because the party structure is against them and continues to be against them. Well, so unless you're capable of doing a complete house cleaning, which maybe Trump can do, but I don't know anybody else can. Well, just um, think, for example, that the Conservative Party of Canada today is certainly not like the Conservative Party of John A. Macdonald or the Liberal Conservative sure. Party, as it was called. And the same with the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party under, say, Pearson wouldn't recognize a Justin Trudeau party today. It would be totally bananas to them. So it can be done, but it's, it's part of the, uh, the cultural shift that's doing it, not so much the actions of an individual, though the leader does change a party's focus considerably. Um, so what, what I wanted to talk about now, Bob, is I, I just want to go through a few of the campaigns that I've done just to show to people how easy it is to get on the inside of these things, right? And I'll start off sure. by the fact that I was a, a lab tech at U University of Western Ontario back in uh, 85. And um, I was at the university and we had a voluntary staff association. You can pay your four bucks to become a member and they would advocate on your behalf to the administration of the university, right, regarding your employment. It seemed to work well. As a matter of fact, I talked to the president of the uh, university. <laughs> um, long story short, he invited me to dinner because of what I'm about to tell you. And um, we got to talking, and he said there's, there's only been four. In the last 10 years, there's only been four grievances, and three of them have been done into the favor of the employee. One did not. So along comes CUPE, the Canadian Union of Public Employees. They wanted to unionize us at a rate of $60 a month, and you would get the union membership. And all of a sudden, you now have another boss, 
a union. Well, I didn't want to stand for that. I did not want to do that. And so what I did was I went down to the Freedom Party offices. I talked to you. And you said, okay, you are now the chairman of the UWO staff for a cooperative work environment. Let's write some literature. And we, right on the spot, wrote a piece of literature. You um, put it on the computer, put a nice some graphics on it, ran it off on your printing machine there, your, uh, your photocopier, um, many, many hundreds of them, maybe a thousand or so. I took them back to the UWO, and I got permission to distribute them via their internal mail. Oh, and at the same time, you put out a fax release to the uh, local radio stations and newspapers, right, and TV stations. Well, I get back to my office, and I get a phone call. Oh, it's one of the radio stations. Um, we'd like to talk to you about your um, uh, opposition to QP, or, uh, you know, taking over as the union at UWO. And they're going, oh, my God. I had to say, look, give me a minute. I've never talked to <laughs> talked yeah. on the ra- radio before. Give me a minute to catch my breath, right? And so I hung up, wrote down some notes, called him back, and then, and then we talked on the radio, right? That was my very first political action outside of writing a letter to the editor. And what happened was there, I went to the meeting, the um, certification drive meeting. There had to be about 700 people there. And maybe six or seven spoke. All the unionists were up on the... Uh, up on the stage and they were giving all of their spiel, right? And I went up there and I just simply said, you know, I'm Robert Vaughn, president or chairman or whatever of UWO staff or cooperative work environment. And all of a sudden the place, you know, exploded in applause because I was doing what everybody wanted, but nobody did, right? Why they didn't do it? They didn't have your expertise. I know that. I, I was dumbfounded when you just said like, Oh, yeah, you're now the chairman of a committee. And I'm going, how can you do that? <laughs> well, one, one of the things we learned very early on in politics is that people don't react to individuals. They, they react to groups. Ah. So you call yourself a group. Yes, that's, that's just Done. what I did. And, and, it, and it works perfectly. And I have to tell you, I, I can really relate to your phone call from the media you got once the press releases went out. Because the same thing happened to me. This is how I ended up getting involved in politics, and I completely forgot about this until you just mentioned that. And you know that back in the 70s, this is long before the Freedom Party days, I was talked into running for the Libertarian Party of Canada, right? And the person who talked me into it was none other than Mark Emery. And he was a big supporter of the Libertarian Party. He comes over to my house on a Friday night. He says, I want you to get registered by Monday morning. We need a name on the ballot in London. I think it was London South, right? And he says, don't worry about it. All you got to do is put your name on the ballot. That's all I need. Nothing else to do. Don't worry about it. You're just doing me a favor. I need a name on the ballot, right? So I went with him, and I remember going down to some high school, and I had to get my name on the ballot. And as soon as I got registered... Next thing that happens, just like you, Robert, the phone starts ringing. And people are asking me for my opinion. And guess yep. what? I didn't, ha- I didn't have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I, that, that was my crash course in starting to learn about everything to do with freedom and liberty. I'm thinking, my God, what have I gotten into? I'm going to have to say something. I can't just not show up at the meetings. And next thing I know... Mark Emery hands me a copy of nothing, believe it or not, Capitalism, The Unknown Ideal by Ayn Rand. I read three chapters of that book, learn more about politics out of that book than I knew anything in my life, 
And I started winning all the all-candidates debates. I started getting the headlines. And, and it was really weird, too, because Joe Matthias, who was the husband of Susan Eagle, who I ended up in a big <laughs> conflict with, uh, was giving me all the best headlines, and he would interview me. This was in the day when even your enemies were at least honest enough to say that you showed up at a meeting, you know? Yes. The days have but changed, have those, those days are gone, yeah. But anyways, that's a bit of memory there how, of how these things can happen and sweep you away. And, and, and you know something? All you have to do is say, yes, I'll do it. And the yeah. ball starts to roll. And just to go back to the uh, UWO thing, um, we won the certification drive, by the way. They did yes. not certify the union. And um, um, a number of years later, I left. And when I left, the union came back in and certified them. <laughs> <laughs> because they had no opposition. But anyway, well, so there that, you go. That's, that's like a Donald Trump or, or, a, or a single person getting into power, you know, yep. um, Margaret Thatcher, in and out, gone, and then the party goes back to its usual ways, because that's what the I, parties are. And you reminded and, and me, the, uh, one back in Newfoundland, just before I moved to Ontario, I was in Newfoundland, voting probably in my first or second election, I voted for Libertarian, right? Because um, I, I just had this idea, of course, that I wanted all my money that I was guaranteed by my employer. And when I saw my check and there's all these deductions are going, this is bogus. This is not just. And so um, somebody put a libertarian flyer in my door and uh, I voted for them. And when I got to Ontario, the first thing I did was join the libertarian party there. I sent them my $25, whatever it was. And guess what? The leader of the party, Kay Sargent, libertarian party of Ontario, she calls me up. Hey, Robert, we need a candidate in your riding. You want to run? That's how easy it is, people. Yep. That's how easy it is. And she didn't even know me other than the fact that I was a member. I gave him 25 bucks, so she assumes that I am a libertarian, right? Yeah. And so she asked me to run. That, that, that's a fatal flaw, by the way. <laughs> well, why don't we take a break, and when I come back, I'll talk about how I actually did get elected to office. Okay. When I was discussing that stop sign today, I, I felt a real sense of purpose. I mean, that, that's the great thing about New England. Uh, democracy is, it's so close to the people. I mean, if I were on the town council, I'd, I'd be representing my neighbors. You know, people I, I know by their first name, like the, the, the guys at, at the hardware store, Dave and, uh, <laughs> and, and the other guy. <laughs> I have to admit, I like seeing you fired up like this. It makes you sexy. Might be exciting being married to a politician. Well, you know, it is only the town council. <laughs> but if I was a hit on the council... You mean you'd consider going further? Well, I think I'd have to consider it. You'd want to live in Washington? Well, actually, most of us live in Maryland and Virginia. <laughs> We just changed our whole life so we could run this in. Well, I'd, I'd still keep a, a home up here in the district. That means I'd have another house to furnish all over again in Virginia. Well, I'd help with it. Honey, how can you help? You'll be busy with the Senate. The Congress. The Congress. Or the Senate. And then I'd be constantly worried about your health. We'll take vacations. We'll come back to Vermont whenever we want. How? 
Air Force One. <laughs> oh, Dick, I don't know. H honey, you're worrying about nothing. I, I, even if I serve two terms in the Senate, it'll be 15 years before I could ever run for president. And I mean, I, I'd probably be too old by then. Lots of men are president in their 70s. It's true. <laughs> You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And Robert, you're about to tell us about your illustrious political history, which, by the way, I think a lot of people should realize that you have been elected twice as trustee in the city of London. True. I mean, not a necessarily a glamorous position, but um, it is a springboard for further action, as I've already described. Now, yeah. the very first time... I got interested in becoming a, a trustee it was because of a, um, a local firefighter named Craig, Craig S. We'll call him. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me backtrack a bit. Um, a, a fellow by the name of Jim Montag, who was a guest on Just Right and a, a friend of ours, started and, be and became the president of the London Middlesex Taxpayers Coalition in much the same way that I started UWO Stafford Cooperative Work, envi work Environment. He just basically put out a press release. Right? Here we are. We are oh, now yeah. a taxpayers' yeah. coalition, and who wants to join? And so we were on it. And, and Jim, Jim was one of the few people ever who came from essentially conservative circles and became totally involved with Freedom Party, with our ad hoc groups, the London Middlesex Taxpayers Coalition. He and I were great friends up until the day he passed. And, um, you know, I still miss him to this day, I'll tell you. He was an interesting fellow. He actually had a DeLorean in his backyard. I still remember that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what, what was interesting about the LMTC is that we were all sort of involved in it. But I became, uh, just because I wanted to, the chairman of the education committee on the LMTC. Okay. Why? Right. Because I just said I was. And Jim, you know, said, okay, yeah, we need a, an education committee. So you, you handled that, Robert. Okay, no problem. I'm there. So Craig um, from the LMTC handed me Why Johnny Can't Read by, uh, what was his name? Rudolph Fleisch, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. And um, I read that and couldn't believe what I was reading about the corruption in the intellectual pedantic process that has, was dumbing down in that case, the United States and Canada. I couldn't believe it. It was awful. It just got me fired up. So what I did was I ran. Actually, the LMTC, the Taxpayers Coalition, ran two candidates for trustee and two candidates for councillor in every ward in the city in this election. I was one of those people, and uh, I lost. But I knocked on every single door in my ward. But I lost. That was okay. Yeah, I was one of them too, if you recall. I ran yes. for trustee at the same time you did, and I lost too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very good at losing elections. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's besides the point. Now, I think there was only two-year two terms at that time, or maybe been three, I don't know. But the next time around, I won. Okay? Why? Because I actually had this at the door. People thought that I was already a trustee because I ran in the last election, had lots of signs out. So there was a name recognition there. Uh, so anyway, I won, and I was a trustee on the um, London School Board. And then four years later, I think it was that term, four years, I ran for trustee again. Uh, you know why I ran for trustee again? Because uh, Megan Walker right, said that, oh, if people knew what you stood for, you wouldn't get elected. So I said, okay, I'll take you up on that. And I ran. 
citywide now because they changed the ward system and we amalgamated in the uh, Thames Valley District School Board later on. And this is a city of 300,000 people, right? Uh, three, 350 maybe. And I won. Again. And um, I didn't run again after that because um, they basically made all the trustees eunuchs anyway and took all power away from them. They were just puppets, so I didn't want to be there anymore. So I didn't run again. But anyway, this is how easy it is, guys, gals. You know, just say yes, get involved, get interested, you get out there, and um, things can happen. You don't always win the first time, but I heard that President Lincoln lost 11 elections before he won the presidency. Oh, yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. You can check it out. But, and, you know, following that, you know, I ran for councillor. I ran, I was one of the first people, um, once the Reform Party opened up to the east, I was one of the first ones there. I think my um, my Reform Party ID said 79 on it. <laughs> I was the, probably the 79th member to sign up, which yeah. then it, it morphed into the Canadian Alliance, and I ran for Parliament as their candidate. So there's another story there, you know. How did I do that? Well, a friend of ours, Dave, he was on the um, executive. I was not part of the executive, right? I could have been. I was asked to be, but I was not. He called me up and said, look, we got this woman running here, right? She's a red Tory. She's right from the PCs, right? I don't know how she got onto the executive, but here she is. She wants to run. We need somebody like you. You've been a trustee, right? Would you run for us as a Canadian Alliance uh, candidate? in uh, London Fanshawe. And I said, okay. I was reluctant to tell you the truth, but I said, okay. And so I did. Um, did not lock, knock on a lot of doors because the writings were, the, these are different than trustees, are quite large. But uh, Diana Blonzi came down, Preston Manning came down. She helped me knocking on a few doors. Preston Manning opened up my constituency office. Um, Dave turned out to be my campaign manager. Had a, you know, campaign. It was like a big deal. <laughs> Tons of signs, all of that. And now get this. This is Canadian Lions. They were first time basically running, uh, maybe the second election that they were running. And um, I came second, ahead ahead of the Conservatives, ahead of the NDP, ahead of the Greens. That's at the same time Salim Mansour ran for London North Centre in that same election. Um, Or was that London West? No, he ran London West, sorry. Nancy Branscombe ran London North Centre. But anyway, so... There's that, because I just said yes. Again, I was a member of a party, called up by a guy who ha- you know, said, okay, you're a trustee, I know that you agree with all this stuff. Here's how I won the nomination between myself and that woman who was on the executive committee. Okay, but, but the thing that's going to intimidate people about saying yes is, is the same thing we discovered after we said yes. Maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Maybe we have to find out before we get into this. You know, why are you doing it? What's the bigger picture? What's your objective, right? And you can get in and vote, but who do you support? And how? Do you, and even if you're in a party, how do you know who the good candidates are and the bad ones are? And how, and how much work you have to do to find out that? It's not a lot of work. It's not a lot. You can tell about a person pretty uh, easily if you just talk to them or read their material or look at their history. Um, I think that that's not too difficult. What happens is you get people coming into parties, politics, that um, are dark horses. You just don't know yeah. um, who or what they are. They've got a name, maybe, like uh, Michael Ignatieff, right, who was in the United States. They dragged him back into Canada to try to be premier with the Liberal Party. Yeah, so Michael Ignatieff, right, this guy from the United States, they bring him up. Nobody knows him. He's an intellect. And so 
how do you know what he stands for, right? Without actually going and reading all his, uh, his papers. So I just want to go back to how I got the nomination for uh, the Canadian Alliance, because I think this is instructive as well. Now, remember, this lady I was running against, she was on the executive, she was in the back room type of thing. And uh, Dave calls me up, wants me to run. So, okay, we go to the nomination meeting where the vote will be held. We'll make a speech and then people will decide. There had to be maybe about 200, I think you were there, 200, 250 people there. And um, I, I, I won the toss and I said, I'll speak second. So that's all great. But I got there early. I got there before anybody else. And I stood at the door and while these 250 people come in, you know, straggle in, I shake their hand, say, hi, I'm Robert Vaughn. Most people knew me or whatever. Um, but um, so we got to talk and chat and I, I shook the hands of every single person who came into that room. My competitor, nowhere to be seen. Okay, so we're all in there. So this, this is how the back room works. They, they had planned this. She had gone out to another room. She had her children with her. She had a marching band, more or less, right? With flags and banners and all of this stuff. And so everybody was seated down. She comes in and makes this grand, grandiose entrance. Nobody knew who she was, right? She thought that because she was on the executive, she, this would be a shoe-in. And all that, all that would be needed was this big flash so she comes in and marches down the aisle and sits at the chair, right? And Okay, whatever. So then we have to speak. She, she gets up and speaks. What did she do? She takes that opportunity to say that Robert Vaughn wasn't even on the executive of the... You know, that shows how much he's committed to Canadian Alliance. And then she starts to talk about our, our competition. You know, we have to overthrow, I think it was Jean Chrétien at the time, because Jean Chrétien is doing this, and she's trying to preach to the converted. Okay, it's my turn to get up. I speak. I said, look, you want a person to win this riding for you who agrees with your principles and is electable. I was a school trustee in this city. I'm electable. Check that box off. I've just signed the declaration that I agree with all these 30 platform planks of the Canadian Alliance. There we go. We agree. So, I agree, I'm electable, vote for me. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't even prepare a speech. I just listened to what she had to say, and I'm going, oh, that's going in the wrong direction, right? Yeah. So, anyway, when we come back, let's take a break again, and when we come back, I can talk about um, how I crossed the aisle, so to speak, left the Freedom okay. Party, and got into the inner workings of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. This meeting will now be called to order. George, we didn't know you'd be here. Oh, I wouldn't miss a meeting of the town council. The clerk will now read the minutes of the last town meeting. At our last town meeting, the council voted $500 for new books for the public library, $6,000 for a new police car, and $1,200 for the repairs to the town water system. We also voted to support nuclear disarmament and the Israeli withdrawal from the Sinai. <laughs> They fought tooth and nail over that one. <laughs> Council will now move into new business. The clerk will read item one from the agenda. Item one is repairs to sidewalk on Maple Street. May we have the treasurer's report, please? 
Repairs to the sidewalk on Maple Street will cost $850. We can afford it. All those in favor of repairs to the sidewalk, raise your hands. Item one is passed. Item two. <laughs> Item two is a new roof for the bridge over Hanson's Pond. New roof will cost $400. We can afford it. All in favor? Two is passed. Three. <laughs> uh, don't they ever discuss any of these items? We've been at this since 1780. We kind of have it down by now. <laughs> Three is a street light in front of the drugstore. $500. We can afford. In favor? Passed. Four. Drinking fountain? 200. Can do. Passed. End of agenda. Are there any resolutions from the floor? That's you. Chair recognizes Ollie Simpson. The country's gone to hell. I move, we secede. <laughs> we voted on that before and it failed. Things have changed. All in favor of seceding from the union? Motion defeated. You're making a mistake. <laughs> recognizes the fellow in the sweater. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, Dick Loudon, and I own the, the Stratford Inn, and I, I'd like to request that a, a stop sign be put at, at the intersection in front of the inn. Uh, because of the amount of traffic, I think a stop sign is warranted. Uh, from my personal observation... Excuse me. How much will it cost? A hundred bucks. We can afford it. All in favor? Resolution adopted. <laughs> Are there any other resolutions? Uh, Did you want something else? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, when, uh, when we were discussing the, the stop sign, which you so uh, generously and, and quickly voted, um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Dixon and Mr. Wanamaker, uh, they, they, you know, they mentioned something about, uh, about my civic-mindedness. You uh, get to the point? <laughs> <clears throat> well, they, they asked me to run for town council, and I'd like to announce that I'm... I'm going to run for town council. Uh, I, I don't even know when, when the elections are. We don't have elections. Th then, then how? Anybody mind if the fellow in the sweater joins the town council? <laughs> You're on. I, I, I am. Congratulations, honey. But I didn't even get to read my speech. <laughs> and now there's no further business. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Oh, for crying out loud, Dick. <laughs> <clears throat> do, uh, do, do I come up now and, and, and sit behind the table? The table is only for offices. Then uh, where, where, do I, where do I sit? Right here, fellow councilman. You're, you're on the council? Of course he is. Everyone in the room is on the council. Say, how about if Mrs. Loudon joins the council? Oh, yeah. You're on. And if there's no more resolutions, this meeting is adjourned until one year from tonight. Coffee and cake in the lobby. Finally. <laughs> One, one year from tonight, I, I, I thought you met every week. What would we talk about every week? 
What, what, what happened here? Well, honey, I guess being on the town council isn't as big a deal as we thought it was. But at least you got your stop sign. Yeah. Do you want some cake? No. No, I think I'll just stay here and savor my victory. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Everyone is really excited about you joining the council. I'm sure. Okay, no one is excited. <laughs> but they did ask me to come over here and welcome you on behalf of the entire town. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And to remind you next year to wear a suit. <laughs> so how easy is it to become part of the machine that Jim Carahalios was talking about? Part of the machine that would um, deny Maxime Bernier the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. You know, part of the machine that would choose Justin Trudeau to be their man, to be Prime Minister. You know, it's all backroom politics, but it's amazing how easy it is to get into that machine. And because most people don't want to, right? This is going back to your opening statement, maybe politics doesn't interest you, and it doesn't. 99.9% no. .9 of the people out there have no interest in politics and only now that they're being forced with taxation because they chose not to get a jab or perhaps have the police come to their door to jab them, which is probably coming, you know, or because they got censored on, now, on, on now, the social media. Now they're getting interested. Now, when you say that political parties are just overly willing to have people come in and join their executive... There has to be a, a, a caveat to that, and that would be people who agree with them, not just anybody, right? No, no, not necessarily. Um, well, no, for that's, the freedom... would, that's, cer that's certainly how it would work with Freedom Party. Well, that's we just what I was it... about to say. Yes, for Freedom Party yeah. of Ontario, you, have, you run a tight ship, and you don't let anybody into the inner circle unless you know them, and that we share yep. the same philosophies, right? But as far as the other parties go, like I already told you, that they don't care. They just want bodies. They want numbers. But, you know, I... I joined the PCs. I had this notion that, okay, Freedom Party, well, okay, I love Freedom Party. But realistically speaking, the people in power, all the actions going on over here with the progressive conservatives and the liberals and the NDP. So I'm going to try something. I'm going to try to get into that machine and see if I can't, um, well, first of all, understand it. And secondly, maybe try to influence it, which, by the way, I think you can. You know, it takes, it takes a lot of individuals doing a lot of work to try to go and change something, but it's a, it's a lifelong process, but nothing ever uh, happens until you start it. So, so anyway, I did. Um, I went to one of their meetings and um, introduced myself, and they go, hey, great, yeah. Uh, do you want to be on the executive? Hey, sure. <laughs> Just like that. We got yep. openings, you know, and there was probably about eight people on the executive, and um, I was one who just went in there. And then uh, part of that was, uh, okay, now we need a secretary and a treasurer. Anybody want to be secretary? No. Okay, anybody want to be treasurer? No. Who wants to start up the committee to select a candidate? Nobody. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, um, how about uh, we're going to elect, um, you know, every year we elect the president. Um, so who wants to be president, right? How about you, Robert? You know, you were a trustee. Maybe you want to be president. I said, okay, sure. And... Um, <laughs> And they voted for me, and I was president, just like that, because I said yes, right? It's all a part of his long string of yeses, and just being willing to do something because nobody else wants to do the job. 
I don't know if it's, it's just simple laziness or because of fear of they don't know what they're doing. But hey, I didn't know what I was doing necessarily. You well, learn. the other thing too is I wonder how many people think that they're already participating in the political process just by voting once every three to five years. Yeah, see, like, like I said, that's the very end of this long process of who to vote for, right? There is a committee in the PCs that select candidates, and you go out there and you look for people, and they, they, these people were not interested in your, your um, political viewpoints. They weren't. They just wanted to get elected. Yeah. The uh, Ontario Tories. I can, I can pretty much say the same thing for the Liberals and the NDP as well. Probably not less the NDP because they're so ideologically oriented. They probably would vet some of their candidates more so than the PCs or Liberals. But as far as PC and Liberals goes, they just want a warm body, somebody who can get elected. That's it. Doesn't matter your policies because the leader runs everything once they're in Parliament. And you just yep. toe the line or you're going to be a Jim Carahalios, a Belinda Carahalios, uh, a Randy Hillier, um, a Roman Baber. You know, you're going to get kicked out of caucus. You're still a member of parliament. They can't take that away for you, from you, but you're not going to get their endorsement again, which means you're probably going to lose the next election. But as far as the back room goes, get involved, get a membership out. By the way, you can have several memberships in several parties, right? if, if not just to know what's going on or to vote for a, a candidate that you either like or maybe even that you think would be terrible so that the party you really like can get in. You know? But it's part of the influence again. It's not just a vote at the end at election day. It's voting for candidates for president. It's voting for candidates for to represent the riding in that for your party, right? So all of these things I think are easy for a lot of people to do. Well, they take time, yes. Not a lot of time. Not a few hours a week maybe for a meeting or two. And I, I was afraid, like, let's go back to that first phone call I had with the radio station. Since then, of course, I've been on TV, I've been around radio, been uh, in the newspaper. I've got a, a thick binder of all the clippings, my press clippings that I've had when I was a trustee in a big rabble browser there. They hated me there. Maybe, 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 maybe you forgot to notice, but you're on the radio right now. <laughs> but, oh, yes, yes, that's true. You know, a lot of what, a lot of this is political activity too. What you and I are doing on this show. Oh, sure it is. Of course it is. As a matter of fact, that's how you got to be on the show because Jim Chapman, who started the Jim Chapman News Hour, where you had left, right, and center, chose you because you were on the right because you were the leader of a political party that you started yourself with Mark and, Emery. And and, and because I picked up the phone every week or almost every other day and phoned in as a caller on his talk show. Yeah. There's another thing, right? Listen, if you, to all the people out there, if you don't want to get involved in the party machine, right? By the way, the political party machine, it's an open door. They're basically asking you to come in and influence what's going on in this country. Yeah, you can go out and protest in the street and in the rain and in the snow. But the real influence is the, is the game that's out there. The party politics game. Remember that when you go to vote... You're only able to vote for the choices that are offered you. Yep. And those choices are created by the processes that we are just talking about right now. That all political activity occurs between elections, in groups, in in political parties, etc., etc. So, you know, if you've only got two parties to pick from and they both suck, 
<laughs> that's your choice. It's either that or don't vote. Or right? do what you and, did, and that's start another party, which, which is, an is why, you know, I realize you, you talked about it being a lifelong process, and I'm thinking, well, it's probably longer than a lifelong process, so we have to create something that will outlast us. And that was the thinking behind establishing Freedom Party, to give this philosophy a history uh, a base on which to operate. We've done every single kind of campaign in the book that you can possibly imagine, and we know the pitfalls and you know and the advantages of each of them. And that's the only way it gets done. And I, you know, I, I see this as a as a process that's going on long beyond my days on this planet. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, if I just think back of all the campaigns that you and I have been involved in, people, by the way, can go on to freedomparty.on.ca and look into the archive, because it's all written there in a publications called Freedom Flyer. Remember, <laughs> there, was a, there was a garbage strike in the city of London. What happens? Mark Emery and the Freedom Party of Ontario said, okay, well, we're going to rent a truck and we're going to go around and collect people's garbage. And when we do, we're going to drop off people, Freedom Party of Ontario literature to the households we're pipping up garbage from. And that got television, that got radio, that got newspapers, right? It yeah, was back action. in the day. Back in the day when we had those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we go, I would want to say one thing. That is that when I'm talking about joining political parties and getting involved in the back room, there is a caveat to that. You can do it just as an observer, or if you really want to get involved, that's fine. But there's two parties in the country of Canada that I would suggest that you throw your support behind completely, and that is the People's Party of Canada federally. Don't even bother with the others. They're all losers. <laughs> they win the elections, but they're all losers. Mm. And with the People's Party of Canada, and if you're in Ontario, the Freedom Party of Ontario, I don't really know of any other political party, either provincially or federally, that can hold a candle to these two parties, which are in the right direction consistently. Other than that, listen, if you don't want to get involved in party politics, write letters to the editor. Let's see if they get printed. And here's an important one, believe it or not. If you write your elected official, your member of parliament, your member of the legislature, legislature, they actually consider those things because it's part of the polling, right? So yeah. write your member of parliament or the provincial parliament, let them know what you think. Get involved, participate. That's what it's all about. The door is open. Don't say nobody didn't tell you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So if someone comes up to you in your neck of the woods, which could be anywhere in the world, and says to you, we're having a party, join us, won't you? Well, at least give it your due consideration, even if that consideration results in your attending some other person's party. <laughs> but if you're looking for a point of view that's just right, well, you already know what to do. Join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. Ah, the council's very important, Dick. It's the heart and soul of this town. You'll be following in the footsteps of the great leaders of Vermont. Well, I, I guess I would have. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really an honor to, to even be considered in, in the same breath with, uh, with people like... Um,
boys. Thank God. 